That music means another week of College Gridiron. 14th or 15th week we're doing here, championship week in college football. This is last week. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Matt Costantini across from me. Nick DeLuca here as well. Full house this week. Happy to have you guys on board. Uh, did anything happen last week? Uh, I'm trying to figure out. Is there there's some news? I mean, game of the year Maybe. in the Pac-12 championship. 10-3 <laughs> Wisconsin <laughs> over Utah. That's watch, the best game it. I've seen all year. Watch it. Don't implicate my team in this match. <laughs> Do not. Don't you dare. <laughs> this is going to be the best show we've done all year. Oh, yeah. Well, certainly for me because I've only done a couple. But <laughs> this, this is going to be the best show we've done all year. So much happening. So excited. for. Yeah, this. there's a whole lot awesome. going on. All right. So, you know, what? let's get right into it. We'll get into the playoff. We'll get into the games from last week. We'll get into Heisman stuff later. We got to handle what happened yesterday at Ohio State. Urban Meyer gave a press conference. He announced his retirement. Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator, is going to take over as the head coach. A lot of people said he was the coach in waiting. He coached the three games that Urban was suspended uh, at the beginning of the season for the domestic violence faux pas involving Zach Smith. Uh, Urban Meyer is saying it's because of health problems. A lot of people have different opinions on that. Matt, I'll start with you. There's a lot to dissect here with this Ohio State situation, what are what are your initial thoughts here as Urban Meyer prepares to quote unquote retire? Remember how a few weeks ago we said that the Ohio State Michigan game was going to be a make or break game for the coaches, and one of them might not be there at the at the start of next season. Did we did we figure that it was going to be Urban Meyer, especially mm. retiring instead maybe. of instead no. of leaving? Maybe, well, maybe. maybe I don't know. So. My initial reaction, Jimmy, as you mentioned, he states health concerns, which I believe is legitimate. I mean, we've we've heard he has cysts pretty much all over his brain, which is really, really not great for that man's health. And I think that we really saw it affect him in that Maryland game because you would see him on the sideline after almost every Maryland score and this, this man just looked like he was in pain and he was emotional and he did not look healthy so for the for a guy like Urban Meyer who demands such a level of excellence out of his players out of his team out of himself stepping down now after the Rose Bowl is probably the best thing for him. I mean, what what's more important to him? Coaching a few more years at Ohio State, maybe getting another national championship, or living longer, which is something that this that these brain problems he has might not allow him to do. And again, as you said, he says this is retirement, but a whole lot of people are very suspicious of that. I, for one, am also very suspicious of that because knowing Urban Meyer, I mean, he's still relatively young for his age. I mean, 54. We, yeah. I mean, Mac Brown just got a new job. Why can't Urban Meyer when, if he <laughs> wants to? So I think we're going to see a brief hiatus out of Urban Meyer, maybe four, five years, and then he'll come back, take over another top-name school, and repeat this whole process over again. So, so you think it's going to be like what he did at Florida, where he stepped down, took a year at like ESPN, and then, then went to Ohio State, something like that? I could see that. Yeah. I would expect it maybe be a little bit longer than the one year that he previously took at ESPN when he did it the first time before after leaving Florida and going to Ohio State. 
But I certainly am of the mindset I, I expect Erman Meyer to coach again. And what's striking to me is that as much as there's talk about his health and everything else, I don't think he was extremely happy with the way everything went down earlier this year at Ohio State. Definitely not. And I think that maybe not the athletic director, Gene Smith, or the people, the football people there, but I think he was upset with the board of trustees and the people who maybe didn't have his back as much as he, in his mind, thought they should have. So I'm not surprised that maybe he could use the the health issues as an excuse to leave and say, I'm done and retire. We'll see. I don't know. I think one of the biggest things to note in this whole situation is that his doctors, as much as there is been, as much as has been made about this health issues and these health issues, his doctors have said he is okay to coach. So I, I know it's probably not the best thing for him. It may be painful, but I don't know that it's the, the health issues are so overwhelming that maybe five years down the road when he regains some of, uh, you know, loses some of the stress and, and is refreshed, would he think about coming and coaching again? If, if the stuff with Zach Smith did not happen, would we be talking about this right now? I think we might be. I, I actually do because – one, he would have a much more legitimate excuse because everybody would be like, oh, poor Urban Meyer, he has whatever health condition. And, yeah, I think it would because I still think – I feel like it's a cycle with Urban Meyer. So he, he coaches he coaches at Bowling Green, then he coaches at Utah. Then he goes to Florida. So he's at Florida for six years. I think he took the job in 05. So 05 to 10, and then he was talking about stepping down after 09. He didn't do it. And then in 2010, they have a bad year at Florida. He steps down. Takes the year away. Takes the Ohio State job in 2012. Six years at Ohio State. 2017, they have a good year. There's none of this talk. But then this whole thing with with Zach Smith happens. And then he's on the sidelines looking like death in the purest form against Maryland. And now it's just like, okay, something is wrong with him. So, look, he's got to get this taken care of. I think the job he's going to wind up taking... When USC is probably going to fire Clay Helton after next year, unless they have a really good year, I could so see him going out there. You don't you don't think that they would promote Cliff Kingsbury, who just took the OC job? I do. Yeah, I, I could see that. It makes sense, but like I don't know. I I just think how how about this? How about Lincoln Riley making the jump to the NFL, and we see Urban Meyer in Oklahoma? Hmm, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. You know, that's an interesting point. If that happens this year, though, then Oklahoma's got to go get somebody, and yeah. Urban's retired, and he, he can't yeah. go take the job. because no, that's not, just, not right away. That's too obvious. Yeah. So I don't think he could do that. But, I mean, this is a guy, six years at Ohio State, he lost nine games. You that's can great. say whatever you want about the Zach Smith stuff, and he totally botched it, and I agree. But, like, there's a lot to replace. <laughs> He's the second-best coach of his generation. Oh, it's not even close. 100%. 100%. I mean, if it it's wasn't close for Nick Saban, Saban. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I mean, no, but those was, two, it's it's like Alabama and Clemson this year. There's nobody even close. I, I, I was watching SportsCenter last night, and they were talking about Urban Meyer, and they put up a graphic that showed highest winning percentage by coach. It was Newt Rockney, someone else that I cannot remember, and then Urban Meyer. Yeah. Urban Meyer has the third highest winning percentage among coaches ever. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right yeah. now. So, Nick, this 
Urban Meyer is objectively one of the greatest college football coaches in history. Do you think that that whatever happened this year can actually impact his legacy like that much? And people will be like, eh, forget Urban Meyer. I think that it will impact. I think it's always going to be a footnote that people are going to throw that stuff out there because it, it sticks with you and it is what it is. But to deny Urban Meyer his due credit of being one of the greatest college football coaches in the history of the sport, I think is, is wrong. And that's what we need to recognize right, wrong, or indifferent with the way he's handled some of the things off the field at Ohio state, the way he's handled some things off the field at Florida, going back to his time there, there's no denying that when you're third in winning percentage in the history of the sport, yeah, he's he's one of the greatest to ever do it and should be recognized that way. So I got that list you were talking about. I had to sort through it a little bit because they also included people from, you know, Matt, Mount Union and Trinity College. So <laughs> we're cutting them out, obviously. But this is this is the list of coaches, FBS, with a better winning percentage than Urban Meyer. Okay, you guys ready for this? Yes. Newt Rockney. Great. Frank Leahy. Fantastic. And then Urban Meyer. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's that's it. And uh, no, there might be one more here. Uh, Dwight Perry, but he only coached nine years. He coached ten years at Bowling Green. Eh. Take that with a grain of salt. Urban Meyer coached for some, some tough conferences, like the yes. SEC every year. Yes. I mean, man, this is, this is a big loss for Ohio State. I do think, though, they're, they're in good hands with Ryan Day. I think he's going to do a yeah. really good job. Yeah, I don't... Obviously, it's a step down from Urban Meyer, but I expect them to be just fine next year. And who knows? Maybe there is a transition period because maybe they lose Dwayne Haskins to the draft this year. Kid ended his season on a just a, a out of his mind run. It kind of propelled him into that third spot in the Heisman race, which is what we're going to get to later. But I I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little bit of a downswing next year. And honestly, that's just only more good news for the Big Ten because now teams like Michigan finally have a chance to beat Ohio State, have a chance to win a Big Ten title, have a chance to maybe make the playoff. So who knows? I agree that Ohio State may not be as good next year as they have been in the past couple of years, and I think it has almost nothing to do with Ryan Day. I think they are going to lose a lot of quality players, especially in their receiving core, at quarterback, because I think Dwayne Haskins would be foolish to not declare for the draft. I fully expect him to do that. So I think it's just going to have to do more with losing players, having a younger team, and maybe Michigan gets some confidence for not having old Urban across the sideline. Yeah. I don't know if that's an intimidation factor, if he's just got their number, but I think they'll be refreshed to not see Urban Meyer across the sidelines in, in the big house next year. Yeah, there's definitely going to be more parity in the Big Ten next year. Michigan, Michigan State, you could argue for Wisconsin. So, you know, there's teams like that who are probably going to be happy to see that, that this happened. But Urban Meyer is gone at Ohio State. Uh, he leaves a trail behind him. His last game will be the Rose Bowl against Washington, which leads us into our next conversation, conference title games last weekend. I think there's really only one we feel like we really need to talk about, and that's Alabama-Georgia. A lot happened. Georgia had Alabama where they wanted them at the half, 28-14. I believe that was the score at the half, correct? It was 21-14. Yeah. It was 21-14, then they scored an early touchdown mm-hmm. in the third quarter. Okay, so it was 28-14. Georgia had them right where they wanted them, and then they kind of let them off the hook, and Alabama got the win. The loss. Dennis Green. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we, we should have played that. The uh, <laughs> the loss the loss keeps Georgia out of the playoff. They would have been in for a second straight year if they would have won. 
So, guys, thoughts on this game? By the way, Jalen Hurts comes back in for Tua Tagovailoa. Comes back in, leads Alabama back. He winds up winning the game for them, basically. And now Alabama still undefeated. Georgia almost did the unthinkable, but Alabama 13-0 heading into the playoff. By the way, on Jalen Hurts. Uh, it was it was a heck of a game, and for really me, was. I'm very upset that we don't get to see it again. Hint, hint, wink, wink, <laughs> as we go forward for this show. But I, it was it was good. I'm I'm telling you, I was really impressed with how Georgia played, as I expected them to come out and play well, and they they punched Alabama in the mouth. I thought it was not a great start for Georgia. It looked a little dicey at the beginning. You go three and out, you give up the sack, you can't run the ball, and then the punt return, but they pick off Tua in the red zone, and they get all the momentum that comes with that. I think the huge turning point in the game is the the missed field goal by Hot Rod, the 30-yarder. You, you have to have those, and it's tough. He's a college kicker, and those guys aren't the most reliable, but I think that's where the game really turns on its head. And then, you know, Tua, Tua was down – for a majority of the game even when he was in the game was not fully healthy he he really struggled 10 of 25 164 yards two picks 15.1 QBR that's yeah that's not it's that's, not that's ideal. not Tua no so he was hurt and everything was going right for Georgia and along comes this Jalen Hurts guy who apparently has improved a lot since the last time that we saw him and he comes in and he leads a, a big comeback. So credit to Alabama for being who we thought they were and a really great team. They a pedestrian start, but a good job to come back and win nonetheless against a quality opponent in Georgia. I just it's too bad because I think Alabama would have gotten into the playoff regardless of how that game went. And I really would have liked to see Georgia in the final four. So when Georgia went up 21-7 before Alabama scored to make it 21-14 right before the half. I tweeted out, Georgia's really bad to do the thing, aren't they? Yeah. yeah and <laughs> and they looked unstoppable. Their, their offense was rolling. Their defense was smothering to a... None, the running backs couldn't get anything going. Um, Georgia's run game was just plowing through Alabama, something we haven't seen done all year. And and then, like Nick said, Tua goes down and Jalen Hurts comes in. And this is gonna lead into a conversation that needs to be had, but I wanna I wanna finish up the game before that. You look at the numbers. Georgia had more total yards than Alabama. They had more time in possession than Alabama. They had more first downs. They had less turnovers. Everything about the numbers of this game scream Georgia won. And like Nick alluded to, Georgia would have had a decent shot of at least making the playoff come these next rankings, which, again, we're going to get to later. But Alabama, they, they stuck it out. That's what the great teams do. They win tough games, they finish the season undefeated, and they have a legitimate shot of not only making the national championship game, but winning it again. That's going to come down to how healthy Tua Tagovailoa is. The initial report is ankle sprain, two weeks, that's plenty of time. But, should that not be the case, they still have Jalen Hurts, who has proven in the past that he is capable of leading a team to a national championship game, and he is capable of winning a tough game a la this Georgia game. And that's where I want to get to with Jalen Hurts. 
at the end of last season's national championship game, this man effectively lost his starting job. Two attack by Loa came in. He threw the game-winning touchdown, and that was a wrap on this season. We knew that he was going that Tua was going to be the starting quarterback come 2018-2019, and Jalen Hurts was going to be the backup. Going into this season, there's a lot of talk. Oh, is Jalen going to transfer before the season starts? He doesn't. He sticks it out. He he plays the backup role perfectly. He's the greatest teammate Tua Tagovailoa could ask for. He's a great mentor, great teacher, all that stuff. And then he finally gets his moment to come back, shine in this game, and win the win the ball game. You have to be a pretty special guy to make Nick Saban get emotional in a post game press conference talking about you, right? Am I am I wrong there, guys? I think I think you're right because he's a you're robot, right. so like he's not <laughs> capable of crying human tears. But yeah, yeah. no, you're he's right. He's not going to cry, so quit asking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads me to my my good friend, Mr. Kelly Bryant. We talked ad nauseum on this show when he lost his starting job to Trevor Lawrence in the middle of the season and effectively, immediately announced he was dropping out of Clemson and he was going to seek his transfer. Recently, he found his new home. He's going to be the starting quarterback at University of Missouri next year, taking over for Drew Locke, who is going to be entering this year's draft. And that's all good and fine. My problem at that point and at this point now, why leave school in the middle of the season when you never know what's going to happen? We saw that immediately happen. The very next game after he announced he was leaving and he was no longer on the roster, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt against Syracuse, and the third-string quarterback has to come in, and they almost lose that game. Now, I don't, I don't know, had Kelly Bryant been there, would, would the game have been easier or the score would have been the same or they would have lost or whatever. My point is, why leave in the middle of the season when you can continue to be the backup, continue to get your reps, and possibly, as in the case of Jalen Hurts, get your moment to shine again? I just don't understand the, the want or the need or the desire to give up on the team in the middle of the year when you have no idea what's going to happen later. So so here's what I'll say, because I, I get what you're saying, but I think on a macro level, I think I disagree with you. So I'm always the guy who's big on, like, players' rights. You should be able to transfer. Me, me too. Yeah, I'm with I you. think everybody is. So I just think here's the deal. Things were not getting – easier or better for Kelly Bryant at Clemson. It's different from Alabama because he started the season with the job. He started the season. They played, I think, Furman week one. That was nothing. Then they played Texas A&M. They almost lose the Texas A&M game because they didn't go to Trevor Lawrence soon enough. So it was pretty clear that he lost the job that he had at the start of the season, and he leads Clemson, number one seed in the playoff last year, leads them there, and then he loses his job. So it's not it's different, but it's also kind of the same from what happened at Alabama. I'm fine with what he did. I, I, I love... I love, love, love what has happened to Jalen Hurts because he's a guy. I mean, he handled it he, pure class. He said, "Look, I'm frustrated," and but he he took it like a champ, and he he said, "Look, I'm gonna do the best I can for Tua." That's what he did. He came in to pretty much every fourth quarter this season, burned his red shirt, which he didn't have to do. So he helped Tua a lot, I'm sure. But I think. I'm also fine with what Kelly Bryant did because, yeah, if I was his teammate, I'd be upset, of course, because, you know, that's a guy that's in my locker room and now he's out and he's, you know, got an axe to grind. But, man, I mean, you know, you see the writing on the wall and you say, okay, well, Kelly Bryant is a senior, so he could transfer 
so he can redshirt this year, transfer, and play next year. Like if you see it from his point of view, of course he's going to want to play next year. So I don't, I don't have the problem with what Kelly Bryant did. I think the way he handled it was bad because he didn't meet with Davos Swinney and he did it in the middle of the season, which is obviously not what you want. But at the same time, if he would have stayed there, he just would have been a dead duck. And, you know, if he wasn't going to be there to provide that support to Trevor Lawrence the way that Jalen was able to for Tagovailoa, then what's the point of having him there at all? So I think, I, I don't know, I'm fine with what Kelly Bryant did. He may have been worried about burning his red shirt as well. Yeah. And that's, I think, a point that needs to be brought up. And as you roll your eyes, Matt, I just, <laughs> look, he's... Because he, what if he goes in every fourth quarter? Then he can't play anymore. It's not like he's going to need an extra year to show teams that he can be an NFL quarterback. I don't think anyone's under any illusion that but he's going to make it at the next level. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think he's he's not going to be the next uh, Sam Darnold. He's not he's not that type of prospect. I, I I don't know that he. I think he could stick on an NFL roster, maybe. But I, I think the ceiling for him is a backup to third string NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to go in and be somebody's franchise guy so he wants to play in college as long as he can yeah which i which i agree with which is why i, I so don't if he has to come in because issue. if Dabo sweeney feels bad for him and says hey we want you in in every fourth quarter blowout win that we're winning by 30 he's he gonna tell him no i don't want to go in yeah that doesn't help that doesn't help anybody because then he's in an impossible situation he, they made a business decision to save their season clemson did to go to trevor lawrence kelly bryant made a business decision to save his career yeah that uh, Amen. <laughs> I, I wasn't all, expecting you to agree with me on that, by the way. All, all I know is <laughs> I that I, res- I respect the hell out of Jalen Hurts. I think sure. he's, he's done everything the right way. And I, f- I think we all fully expect him to transfer out after this year. He's got one yeah. year left. And, I, and you know what? If he does leave at the end of the year, I have absolutely no problem with it. Yeah. Because with these new, with these new transfer rules, he's eligible to start right away wherever he goes. Good for him. You know, he can transfer whenever he likes. I really don't care. So <laughs> I'm I'm chilling out with that. But still got some time here. Let's go into the next discussion we wanted to have, which is college football playoff rankings. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Nick, we're starting with oh. you on yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the playoff is set. We've been talking about it. Alabama will play Oklahoma. Clemson will play Notre Dame. Probably what most of us thought was going to happen uh, after the results on Saturday. Nick? Uh, I know you didn't agree with that, so so why not you, why not you tell us why? Well, I think it's just it's we're we're being sold fool's gold here because we're not the the committee and the mission statement of the committee to me was not lived out in the pa- in the rankings this this past weekend. George is one of the four best teams in the country, and I don't know that anybody can dispute that. It's pretty clear the way they played against Alabama. I get it, the loss at LSU, but they're one of the four best teams in the country. So how do one of the four best teams in the country not make it? Well, they go through some criteria. The first is, is a team far and away better than the other two teams that they are quote-unquote tied with, in this case, Oklahoma and Ohio State. I would... suggest yes they are better than both of those teams but if you don't want to go that route okay so the next criteria is conference champion there's so much value on being a conference champion which i i don't 100 percent understand because not all conferences are created equal it's different winning the big 12 is different from winning the sec but 
if we want to go that route, then why is Notre Dame untouchable? If you have to win a conference championship, why is Notre Dame automatically in? It doesn't make sense to me because they're not far and away better than Oklahoma, than Georgia, than Ohio State. There's no way. So, okay, fine. It's, it's not about then – then, okay, not about winning the conference championship. It's about record. You can't put Georgia in with two losses. Well, if it's about record, then why isn't UCF in? Good point. They're 12-0. and 0, They haven't lost. So if it's about record, why is UCF not in? I, I, it just it, it blows my mind that they, they have done this. And then the reason that UCF isn't in, by the way, is because of strength of schedule. It's 71. They don't play anybody, right? Well, then if we value strength of schedule, then who's got the best strength of schedule of those three teams? It's Georgia. So I, I, I really am at a loss for where the committee found this ruling and decided that when all things are equal, because you can't judge it on record, on conference champion, on strength of schedule, it has to go back to who's the best team. And Georgia is better than Oklahoma and is better than Ohio State. Georgia should have been in. It's a shame because the four best teams won't play. I'll tell you right now, I'm not thrilled about this Oklahoma-Alabama game because I don't think it's going to be close. It's not going to be like Alabama-Georgia this past weekend. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I want to start off by saying that I fully expected this. I fully expected the four teams to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma after the result of the – Alabama game um Oklahoma uh, basically all Oklahoma had to do was win and then just hope that Alabama was going to beat Georgia because that guaranteed them their spot I didn't think Ohio State had a chance because of their their loss their game against Maryland and the team they were playing in the Big Ten championship game where I am with Georgia is it's complicated (laughs) It's very, very complicated. I think had their game with Alabama been decided, was it? It was a no. It was fourteen points at the end, right? Or was it eleven? Which uh, which game? The Alabama Georgia game. The Alabama Georgia game was thirty five twenty eight. It was thirty five twenty eight. It was the last minute touchdown. Yeah, so it was a nice fake punt, by the way. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we didn't even get to talk about that. That was so stupid. So in essence, (laughs) I think we need to say that that was a two possession ball game at the end of the day. Is that fair to assume? Yeah. Garbage time touchdown doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, no, because I mean, it was it was thirty five twenty eight was the final. So Jalen Hurts scores the game winner with two minutes to go, somewhere between one and two minutes to they go. They have a heave to the end zone to end the game. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay, so one possession game. Yeah, okay. Without the fake punt, maybe that goes to overtime. Maybe that yeah. changes the. Yeah, that that fake punt was the most inane that, thing I've ever seen. That was such a terrible choice, but. I do believe that objectively Georgia is probably the fourth best team in the country. The way they played Alabama was just absolutely perfect except for the fact that they lost. And that's the reason they're not in. I think had they I mean obviously had they beaten LSU, there's would have been a much better discussion to put them in over Oklahoma. And I think even if they had had kept it less than a 20-point loss to LSU, it's a much closer discussion between Oklahoma and Georgia. Again, I don't have a problem with them putting Oklahoma in. I'm I'm with you, Nick. I think that the Alabama-Oklahoma game can go one of two ways. It's either 
Alabama's defense shows up the way it has, and they just stifle this this Oklahoma offense, because we know Oklahoma doesn't have a defense, so Alabama's going to be able to score at will. So this is either going to be a shootout and it's close, or Alabama's defense is going to dominate and it's going to be a 2-3 position game. I think that's very obvious. Everyone knows that. But what I want to get into is that 5-6 debate between Georgia-Ohio State. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and granted they were most likely Ohio State fans, that were really unhappy that not only were they six, but that they weren't number four. And they were, I saw things like third for the third year in a row, the Big Ten champion's not going to be in the playoff. Ohio State got screwed again. What, what makes you think that Ohio State and or the Big Ten champion deserves a playoff spot? What, what is that entitlement there? <laughs> I don't really understand that logic. Literally nothing. <laughs> I mean... They're, they're not better than Oklahoma, and they're not better than Georgia. Number six is where they belong, and honestly, I would have been okay if UCF had moved all the way up to number six. I definitely wanted them to move up past Michigan. That's stupid. I know. I yeah. mean, the only reason they didn't is because they don't have Mackenzie Milton, and they will most likely lose their bowl game. I mean, they almost lost the championship game to Memphis. But overall, the committee did the... They did the obvious thing. They made the safe pick. I think they they remember last year the backlash of putting in Alabama and Georgia, especially because Alabama didn't have that conference championship to back them up, and it would have been so much harder this year to put Georgia in with two losses over another conference champion. So they made the safe pick. They made the pick that everyone's going to be fine with. The ratings are going to do fine. And, Nick, I'm with you. They're, it's not the best four teams, but I think if you look at it, everything's going to work out just fine. Yeah, I'm not going to say, because I agree with you guys, I'm not going to say too much here that, that hasn't already been said. I saw something where Kirk Herbstreet went on ESPN and said, well, this is the first time in five years that politics has gotten into the committee. Like, first time in five years, really? Yeah. Like, no, there's politics every year. Like, why do you think Ohio State got in that first year over some of the other teams like TCU or Baylor because Ohio State's a draw. Oklahoma is a draw. Like that's pro- that's part of the discussion as much as I hate to say it. I'm going to look at the positive here. Oklahoma's going to the Sugar Bowl. We have a kicker matchup hmm. between Hot Rod and Dicker the Kicker. So I'm looking at that positive, <laughs> so that's that's one. But two, yes, Georgia should have been in. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I am in the interest of picking the best four teams. Honestly, two years ago, I thought Michigan should have been in over Washington because I thought Michigan was just better, and I think it's the same thing here. I don't think it's anything different. I think the committee was sort of risk-averse on this one, and uh, that that's kind of what they did. Just quickly, I wanted to get to this because let's look at the, uh, let's look at the top ten from the beginning of the season because it's, it's very wrong. So top two teams were Alabama and Clemson. They got that dead on. Third team was Georgia. That's about right. Fourth-ranked team, Wisconsin. Rest in peace. Pinstripe Bowl. Fifth-ranked team, Ohio State. Yeah. Sixth-ranked team, Washington. Yeah. Seventh-ranked team, Oklahoma. They're in the playoff. Eighth-ranked team, Miami. Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> Ninth-ranked team, Auburn. I don't even know where they are. And then the tenth-ranked team is Penn State, which I guess is about right. So the AP uh, did not do a great job this year in the preseason rankings. Neither did the committee. No, they did not. <laughs> no, they did not. All right, got a couple minutes left here. Before we wrap up, Heisman on Saturday. We talked about it a little bit. Dwayne Haskins is most likely going to come in third. There's three finalists, Tua Tagovailoa, Kyler Murray, 
and Dwayne Haskins. Haskins will likely come in third. It's going to come down to one of those two. Let's go around here. Who are you guys taking and why? Matt, go. Kyler Murray. Mm, I like it. I am doing that off the basis of the championship weekend. He had the better weekend out of himself and Tua Tagovailoa, and I think it was it was close up until championship weekend. I think not playing in the fourth quarter of every game kind of hurt Tua a little bit, but can you really say that with where Alabama is now? It maybe hurt it maybe hurt his numbers, but didn't hurt the team, which is all that matters. I'm sure that he's not going to be upset if he walks away with the national championship again instead of the Heisman. No no problem there. But Kyler's work this season has been out of this world, and he was probably a close second, and then come championship weekend, he put up almost four, he, I think he put up over 400 total yards, and that kind of sealed the deal for me. Two is the best player on the best team he's going to win. That's fair, and honestly, and I'd be okay with it. That's to do, me you think, where... do you think he should win, though? Yeah, okay. I, I do, and it was not a great showing. But again, this past weekend against Georgia. But again, Georgia is a good team. I will be perfectly happy hurt, if though, either. I think that's, yeah, that makes a difference. I will be perfectly happy if either of them wins, as long as it's not Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, it's not going to be Dwayne Haskins. I'm gonna, I'm going to go with you, Matt. I, I like Kyler. I, I was thinking about it. I think I really started to think about it during the West Virginia game where I said, this guy does things. I also looked at that sort of wow factor where I watched somebody and, like, does this person do things that I haven't seen on a football field? And he does. And Tua does, too. But it's just Kyler Murray, the way, one, the way he runs, two, the way he's able to throw. And three, I mean, yes, you know, the Big 12, maybe they don't play defense. And I get that. But Tua came into a great situation. So did Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray had a lot of expectation, following up Baker Mayfield, by the way, <laughs> which is, I think, a huge deal. That needs to be part of this as well. And I just think, I don't know, I, I think the transcendent impact he was able to have over the last month of the season, I, I give him a slight edge. I'm totally fine if Tua wins. I, I am. But I, I think Kyler's just playing a tick better, and I think the recency bias also pops into it. And honestly, I think Kyler's going to win. I I don't want to go that far. I, I think it's going to be one of the closest Heisman votes in recent memory. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I could see it going either way. I, I think my gut still probably says Tua, but... Yeah, I think he's just been the leader for most of the year, and I don't think that enough happened this weekend to change it. And I just want to close with one thing here. It's going back to the playoff matchup. I like that Alabama's getting the quasi-home game, even though it's a ne- it's neutral field, by going to the Orange Bowl. It's yes. still on the heart of SEC country, and I love that Clemson-Notre Dame is true neutral field by going to the Cotton Bowl. I think the line on the Clemson-Notre Dame game is a little unfair to Notre Dame and their defense, but we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, that line's 11.5. Alabama minus 14 in the other game. For Nick DeLuca and Matt Costantini. Clemson and Bama. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening.